and welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast for Los Fishes from the Kitchen. I'm very happy to be here today with my co-host, David Hart. Uh, David, how are you? Hello, everybody. Hey, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, David. Uh, today, we have very special guests from the this street dog coalition. Uh, we have Dr. Wheeler and Andrea, Andrea Romano, excuse me, from the Bay Area chapters. Uh, hello, how are you? Uh, please, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll start with Dr. Wheeler. Welcome. Hi, good to meet you and good to be here. Um, so I'm a veterinarian in the Bay Area. I've actually have my own practice in Los Gatos where I've been located since 2009, uh, but I've been practicing in the Bay Area since 1998. And I got involved with the Street Dog Coalition in spring of 2020. Um, interesting time, as we can talk about later, but it was a wonderful opportunity for me and has obviously grown from there. And um, Andrea and I, our paths crossed actually at my veterinary clinic. And then we ended up um, talking further about what the Street Dog Coalition was doing. And she got involved as a volunteer and now she's my co-team lead and actually on the board for the Street Dog Coalition. So we're thrilled to have her. Great. Thank you, Dr. Wheeler. Andrea, 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 excuse me, I'm going to get that right eventually. Uh, please <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, and, and you guys can start sharing a little bit about the history of the chapter and, and the institution itself. I see it's a nationwide organization, about 40 chapters, 40 cities. That's exciting. That's fantastic. Uh, I was not aware that there was so much work already being done in some of these areas. So. Uh, please go ahead. Well, so um, as as, as Doctor as Hillary said, uh, you know, I met her because she takes care of my fur babies, and um, I, I she's a very good veterinarian, and she was talking about the organization, and it was something that was very compelling to me, and it struck the right chords. I mean, anytime you talk about animals, I'm in, and then to help these people that are suffering from some seriously unfortunate circumstances and realizing that these pets are, are their lifeline, it makes it all the more mm -hmm. worthwhile. So it's been a great pleasure to be part of the team. And I was thrilled when they asked me to join the board. And since then, I've actually started to reinvigorate their social media performance. And then we're also going to be diving into some larger fundraising activities as well. Um, so I've got a lot of passion and excitement. Um, and again, I, I have a huge fan of Dr. Wheeler's. And so you'll probably hear that if I'm, if I make any comments later. So she's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I can talk a little bit about our local chapter of the Street Dog Coalition. So as you pointed out, Mauricio, we, um, the Street Dog Coalition actually started in Colorado and Fort Collins by Dr. John Geller. And their first clinic was in 2015, I believe. Um, I actually read an article about them in the early stages of 2020, I sent them an email and uh, thinking I would never hear back because the pandemic hit, I think a month later. And surprisingly, I actually did hear back. It took a couple of months to get going and we actually planned our first clinic. I think it occurred in June of 2020 and it was all very uncertain at that time. We were at a parking lot um, I think it was a church that let us use their parking lot in Redwood City. I think we had 25 dogs show up uh, with 30 or 40 people. And we just sat on the ground and got it done. And we provided vaccinations, some of the essential health services. We do provide free tick prevention, 
heartworm prevention. And really, honestly, it's an opportunity to connect with people that particularly at that time were very neglected. And com combination of my two passions, which are helping animals and helping people. And sadly, mm -hmm. everyone seems to be struggling to find a solution. And for me, it was something I could actively get involved in where I felt I was truly making a difference, both in the lives of the animals, but more the lives of people. I think every month, sometimes twice a month, since that time in various locations in the Bay Area, which has been amazing. It's all volunteer run. So we're completely dependent on anyone who chooses to spend their free weekends with us. Sometimes that's <laughs> challenging, <laughs> but uh, it's been amazing. We've met some amazing people and what's fun now two years in is we see a lot of repeat people who saw their dog when it was a three month old puppy and now the dog's too old and we're on that care. So it really is incredibly rewarding. That is so wonderful. Yeah, that is a this is Dr. Yeah. Wheeler. That is so wonderful. Yeah, and I know that we're thinking. having some audio, yeah. the beautiful world of zoom, right? So, um, I, I just want to, again, say thank you. That that's wonderful. And I, I have a follow-up question about the activities that you started and have been participating participating in, how do you find that it helps to impact those that you mentioned earlier, the unhoused population? How do you think the activity of not only having a pet, but also having that support helps to add benefit and helps to uh, help with the digni dignified side of feeling like they're heard and and how does that affect how you approach what you do? Sorry to ask so many questions in the same statement. However, I, it really was wonderful what you shared. Can you I help can. me with, with That's that? That's my favorite question or favorite series of questions. <laughs> right it really is. It really I'll, is. Try to, I'll try to break it up a little better next time. It's just I got excited and I started writing yeah. notes and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget this. So I'll, yeah. I'll be quiet now. Dr. Wheeler, back to you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as a veterinarian, it's I've had an inside glimpse into the world of what we call the human animal bond for 25 years. And it truly is unlike any other relationship or connection we have with any person in this world. It's unconditional love. And animals, I mean, again, I'm biased, of course, but animals <laughs> truly, to me, bring out the best in people. And for those people that are struggling more than others, particularly those that are unhoused, for them, and I will admit, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, I might have said, if you can't afford to have an animal, you shouldn't have them. And what's been so amazing to me, this experience and journey is recognizing how flawed that thinking was because everyone deserves to have that love and everyone deserves to feel important. And animals, not only can we give them what they need and care for, here they are, these helpless creatures that depend on us for love, food, shelter. These are animals with the unhoused community that they are strays 
they don't have homes, they don't have stability and support. And then you see these two lives come together and amazingly they've given each other exactly what they were looking for. And so they really, to me, that relationship is a lifeline for so many people. And you think about it from the perspective of if you need one reason just to get up each day, if your dog is sitting there licking your face and saying, hey, I'm hungry, or I want to go for a walk, or whatever the case may be, they you're forced to get up and get moving. And, and what we've actually seen is the amazing conclusion to you know what we started with so many people where they actually show proof that able to have been able to find jobs again and they've sent you know letters to us thanking us for starting that process. And so it really is amazing. And that's not always the end goal for us. We're there without judgment, just to provide care and support and to remind people they are doing everything they can and they're doing an amazing job. And most people will feed their animals before they feed themselves. And that's what's incredible. Yeah. If I may also add, yeah, you know, Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask you, can you, can you please share your, your yeah. can you share also, please? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm very fortunate in that my main job when we have the pop-up clinics is I do the intake. So I'm the person that's the first uh, human that they meet that does the um, paperwork that's required to get them in to see Dr. Wheeler or, or any other medical professional. And I spend quite a bit of a time with each human getting to know their story because there's a lot of yeah. questions I have to ask them. And it's what's the most impressive to me is I've had so many people and we just had a really big clinic in San Jose at St. James Park this past weekend, um, which was all, thank goodness, it was people that were either in shelters, in government housing, or even unhoused. And so everybody had stories to tell me there were several people that had just literally gotten into housing and they were so relieved and they talked about how their pet was like their lifeline this woman had this spicy little black cat that apparently loved me so <laughs> i didn't get ripped to shreds but she talked about how she had just gotten into the shelter she'd been on the street for so many years and that the thing that got her through was this kitten this cat there was another lovely human he rode his bicycle from his encampment with this beautiful little pit bull puppy that I almost stole from him, but I couldn't, you know, he would have been mad at me. Uh, and he said, you know, this is what keeps me going. This is why I do this. You know, I rode from my encampment and my bicycle to get him here. I'm so happy I made it. And to Dr. Wheeler's point is that, you know, they do feed themselves first. I was concerned when I signed up, you know, I, it was like, you know, building the plane while I'm flying kind of thing. So I just kind of said, sure, I'll help. And then I thought, Oh, what have I gotten myself into? what condition are these animals going to be in? Because I can't, my husband will kill me if I bring every animal home that is under bed or is, you know, a mess. And I was in shock. That's your heart. And the best way that these animals were so well for, and they were so loved. And it's also just, you know, even the folks with cats that have, they're living in encampments, those cats are not on leashes. They are not, they, but they stay with their human. It's phenomenal to see um, how dedicated these animals are to their humans. The biggest concern that people 
people have is that their pets get stolen, which is unfortunate if they have of an interesting type. Um, but it, these animals definitely are bonded with the humans as the humans are bonded with the animals. Yeah, absolutely. I and I could see, I could see how that would provide emotional, spiritual, physical support to those that find themselves in this circumstance. Right. I know with my pets, my puppy who I, I had to leave in the state of Maryland, a 105 pound yellow lab um, was like my heart and soul. Right. And he could, he could, you mentioned earlier, the licking of the face, he would come up on my bed and put his chin on my bed in the morning and look at me and I could go, and he'd know I needed more sleep, right? He was human. And I find that the connection with animals, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with horses and horses are part of a herd. And I think that humans need to remember we're also part of our herd, right? And what a wonderful way to give back. And, and I really appreciate the points that you make about how helpful the animal is to the individuals that are helpful to them. And it's this reciprocity that occurs that may not have been what we think would have occurred. And I, you both mentioned, you went into this with an idea, came out of this with another idea, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's so wonderful. I, I think that's so wonderful um, that you can, you can look at, you know, we all have our own ways of thinking and we can change the way we think by getting involved and doing more and, and just, uh, finding out uh, people's story, right? And then accessing the reality of what's going on in their life. And, and so, so wonderful. Mauricio? <laughs> you know, there you, you touched on a lot of different things that, uh, that, you know, we wanted to know that we were kind of thinking about and, and kind of following up on the question about the companionship and everything. We know that a lot of the folks that are on house are not there because they have nothing else better to do. Uh, you know, there are bad circumstances, different things, mental health, drugs, unfortunately, you know, just bad luck in life and it happens. But I think a lot of them, and Dr. Willard, this is more for you. And I mean, it's a little bit of a trick question because I, I believe, I'm a believer that that's like you mentioned, make you better, right? Our animals do. And uh, I, you know, I seen on house folks that, uh, that have to your point of head and I, you can see them there. They, they smile a little bit more. They, they walk a little straighter. Uh, what is you think is the, and unfortunately a lot of folks are saying what you guys mentioned earlier, that if they don't deserve to have a house, they shouldn't have a pet, right? Well, I think these are not pets. They're companions and they're lifelines in a lot of cases. What is your opinion about that part? How much, I mean, I don't want to tell everybody to go get a, a, a dog or, or a cat, but, you know, I think it's something that benefits them and gets them gets through these times and situations. What are your thoughts on on that and the ability to make maybe petting suits or, or times where people can come in and pet dogs or whatever, shelters and stuff that will help them mentally? Uh, what is your opinion on, on that uh, benefit of having you know a a animal in that in a situation that's so difficult? Yeah, and you know I mentioned the term human animal bond, and that's something we're taught about in veterinary school which really embodies this unique connection that people have with animals. And you think back on even the domestication of cats and dogs, and that was initiated by cats and dogs, you know, their wild ancestors <laughs> actually <laughs> deciding to hang out yeah. near human encampments. And then 
realizing there was this reciprocal relationship and you know to me it's such this amazing beautiful relationship that we see with them but I agree I, animals not only do they help us you know be better people and be empathetic um, to they help us to motivate to take care of ourselves to care about another creature and in turn care about other people but also what's interesting is I had one story someone shared with me is he felt before his dog found him, because that's usually how it works out, um, no one would look at him. No one would make eye contact. And then when he had that dog walking next to him, people would stop and they'd smile and they'd say, oh, what's your dog's name? And then he would get into a conversation and suddenly he was human and he felt human. And that's what animals do. They, they bridge that gap. We as humans can be so awkward with our emotions and our judgments and preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes animals help us strip all of that away because you're filled with that pure joy of just wanting <laughs> to say hello. And, you know, <laughs> can I pet your dog or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it is to me, I think that's what we realize is yes, animals are a responsibility, but it's very rare in these clinics for us to see those sad cases Andrea was mentioning. And I, I had that same thought of, Will this be, will I need to really prepare myself for seeing a lot of sad situations? Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, what was shocking is here I have a practice in Los Gatos, which is a very affluent community. I probably see yeah. sadder circumstances in private practice than I see on the streets caring for these animals that people bring to us. And just is a test upon them and as you said they they're dependent on that animal they it's a it's a beautiful symbiotic relationship so i i would say especially the pandemic was such a lonely time for so many mm -hmm. and we saw that in people that have all the amenities in life we saw this massive growth of people seeking animals and adopting animals and bringing them into their homes because we all need that. And there was such a time of isolation and loneliness. Maybe that's our message that we need to understand there are people who have lived their entire lives that way or decades that way. And, and for them to have that, that animal that they can talk to that understands them, that doesn't judge them and also becomes that link to others in the community I think it's truly something we can't possibly duplicate in any other relationship. You know, uh, I mean, I can tell you that I can, I cannot live without my animals. I have two dogs, normally two cats. Right now we're down to one cat. And, uh, you know, uh, yes, I, I don't know. I, I love having, you know, my 65-pound, almost two-year-old puppy, uh, which is not a puppy anymore. But every morning, the alarm goes off. She knows that needs to wake up. And she just jumps and just like David said, you know, like right here, like that, time to get up. And then it's the, fine, I turn off the alarm and I'm going to pet you. I, I, if I don't pet her for like three minutes, oh my God, you know, <laughs> we're having a conniff. So is that, that's the part to your point that is important. I think we oversee it. And sometimes we think that it's fancy just to have an animal because we want to have a big dog a small dog or it looks cute or whatever, but there's, there's more important stuff to them. And so with kind of that question, what else could we do or people can do on the 
uh, getting maybe access to either pets or some sort of companionship or in a temporary basis or things that could help the mental uh, 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 part of your house. And, and like uh, um, David mentioned earlier, he, he knows for organization to work with horses to help people with the mental state and everything else. What could be done out there? What are the things that maybe shelters and the SPCA, that kind of thing, uh, animal shelters for the human shelters can work together? And maybe I see that you have a relationship with Life Move, which is interesting because we do pretty much all the shelters receive food from us every day. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we do have a common partner, which was uh, what I was doing, reading on your website and looking at your relationships. I saw that. Um, what else can you think could be done to kind of help this bonding and help this part? Because I think it'd be yeah, two and actually, uh, you know, a lot of those programs that you're mentioning, those were down. Shelters do have programs where people can actually come in and just take a dog out for the day and bring that Thanks. dog to the beach or to a park or. Even they at one point, and I don't know if this has been reinstated, but even having just a, an indoor space where people can just visit with that animal. And even for cats, it's important as well. You know, we don't want to forget mm. about the cats. We actually see quite a few of them. <laughs> um, but there are, you know, we think of therapy dogs and emotional support animals. And of course, that's riddled with, you know, there are abuses with that. But there's a reason that we have those terms and why those animals are such excellent companions is because we do find comfort from them. And even when tragedy strikes, I don't know if you've read, but there are groups that will bring their dogs that are trained emotional support animals for kids to just hug and hold mm -hmm. and for people, adults to do that. And I think yep. those programs need to be expanded absolutely because they're so beneficial to the human and the animal because it gets, especially in the shelter environment, the shelters are over full now and struggling. And they have lost many of the volunteer support they once had. The veterinary industry has become just as stretched thin as the human healthcare industry. And they really do need as much help as they can get with these animals. And any program that gets those animals out of that cage, that kennel, and into a space where they feel loved and they can play and interact. And then the person gets that benefit as well, just being in the presence of these animals that do provide us with so much. We know medically it reduces your blood pressure. It yeah. gives you those feel-good <laughs> hormones. There are all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And yeah. it's just fun, right? We love of looking at their faces and you, I talk to my animals. I'm sure I'm not the only one here. Who and does and that. I so love it's... puppy breath. My, my friend yes. has nine, nine, year old, nine days. No, they don't yet have the puppy breath, right? Another five or 10 days will have the puppy breath, but I can't wait. Right. Yes. It's like this exciting yeah. time to be around this, this being I call them four-legged, furry four-leggeds, and it's just this wonderful, wonderful energy that comes from it. So I think my 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 follow-up to Andrea is you mentioned earlier that you were talking about uh, funding. You were talking about creative ways that you can look for funding. Can you tell us more about that? And and how can we 
help with that? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. I actually, you know, I'm the queen of tapping into resources that I have access to from other <laughs> industries. And uh, um, right I've gotten, on. yeah, so I've gotten connected with a very powerhouse uh, fundraiser for the YMCA and she's lovely. And she's been educating me on the fundraising process where there are a plethora of foundations and family offices and big corporations that specifically donate exactly yeah. what we're trying to do. And so there's a whole process around that. And so we're going to start working through that um, to start to identify where those funds are. And sometimes the funds have to be earmarked for certain things and we never have an issue doing that. Some of them can be used as uh, capital builders or, um, or for funds to actually hire consultants to help us do more things. So that's what we're doing um, from a larger scale. Now, from an individual perspective, and I'm hoping you have, you know, viewers or listeners that are interested, you know, I'm not, they don't all have to be big foundations or family offices. Um, anybody can donate. And the donation link is found on the streetdogcoalition.org site. And you can do it through Venmo uh, and you can earmark it for the Bay Area team. And then those funds go directly to Dr. Wheeler and her efforts and our team, <clears throat> excuse me, because one of the things we want to start doing with those uh, directed dollars is, and Dr. Wheeler can probably speak more on this too, is we see some pets that come in and they need more than what can be provided at a pop-up clinic. And mm. uh, it would be lovely if we had funds where we we could spend those dollars with a dedicated veterinarian that actually had an office that's close to the person that needs the help to give these animals um, more assistance. Mm -hmm. And so we want to start to create some partnerships with veterinarians in the area that will allow us to vet these people and send them their way. And then we will pay for those services. So that's another step that we want to start to take in a more um, purposeful manner. I think we're trying to do a little bit now, but we need to do, we need more funds for that. And then uh, if I could also just put a plug in, I know we need more veterinarians to help. Please do, that. please. Because so, <laughs> you know, Dr. Dr. Wheeler has to be busy. Please, I just she one, has person. To be one person. She's one person and she is Wonder Woman, but she's only one person. And so again, we had this huge camp. We had this huge pop-up on Sunday. And this past Sunday, we had four veterinarians and it was wonderful because we saw over 60 animals that day, which was phenomenal. We I had to turn right. a few away and they'd gotten there later. So I wasn't quite as concerned, but we do need more veterinarians. And I'm also trying to find out if there are veterinarians all around the Bay area, particularly on the peninsula, because that's where our team is focused, who would, who would partner with us to provide care. Um, I'm not asking for free services. I'm just asking for um, maybe a slightly reduced fee or letting us pay you pay them, you know, after they've seen the client knowing that we would take care of that. So those are my plugs for, our team and Dr. Wheeler, I'm happy for you to take over. <laughs> Those are wonderful <laughs> plugs, if I may say. That's perfect. Like Dr. Wheeler, I'm sure is one veterinarian that's seeing so many individuals and wanting to help even more. Like, what would you? What would you ask if, if if that well the question is being asked need to help to support yeah, the effort this is as why a veterinarian I have because she's so articulate and good at shaking people <laughs> up a little bit and getting them involved uh, <laughs> and, and to be honest i guess we absolutely need uh, what i would say in terms of the veterinary community, you know, veterinary technicians, veterinary assistants. 
anyone who's worked at a veterinary hospital, but we went and you will feel so good because of the reward of the gratitude that's there. You're surrounded by gratitude and we don't get that every day. It, unfortunately, you would think that in this profession, people are stopping and taking the time to tell you that. And most of the time people are busy and we don't hear that. And when you're there, you not only see the direct impact you're making, but you see that joy in people's faces when you talk to them about how well they are taking care of their peer support is incredibly important. Absolutely. The financial support, we are a nonprofit. No one who is out there at these clinics is on any type of salary. We're just committing our own free time. And that's hard to come by these days, but it, again, it's something that, uh, like I said, you just come out and do it once and, and hopefully you're addicted like me and you keep showing up. Uh, But I'm obviously a little bit passionate about it. Uh, But yeah, it's something. It doesn't show at all. It doesn't show (laughs) at all. I mean, you can't tell. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's really cool that, you know, and, and we, of course, work in the culinary field and, and we work with chefs and there are chefs that we work with that talk about the passion for making, making meals. And, and then sometimes those that they're serving don't necessarily have the same appreciation for all the effort. We finish that meal, right? So we get to get chefs involved in the effort that we provide to our uh, participant guests. And the other piece that I was reminded of as you were sharing is that there's nothing like for me to go out to a serving site and hand a plate of food to somebody who doesn't want to be in that line. They just don't want to. And it brings me to tears sometimes because it's this beautiful moment, human to human, that you get capital G-A-T, get, to be of assistance to somebody in need. And it sounds like, to me, I know we just met today, but both of you sound like you get, capital G-E-T, what that feels like to help to support the community, yeah. right? So I, I just think that the effort that that you're you're providing and the service that you're providing is something that I'm grateful that I know more about and that you're doing. And I'll be sure to talk a lot about what you do. And as uh, I interact with individuals and we start to get questions, I'll be sure to refer them your way. Absolutely. Um, Can so I tell I a quick funny? Please, just to really do. So, Dr. Hill mentioned. You know what? You don't even have to be quick. Just be you. It's not a very long story, but I I always find this. These are funny. So every pop-up clinic, there's always something that happens that's of interest, and um, I'm sure they see it at the medical side. I always see it at the intake side. And again, we were at St. James Park this weekend, and it's a very large. um, There's a lot of unhoused people that reside in and around that area not all of whom have pets. And so I was at the table doing intake and, you know, I'm head down. People are very patient waiting for me to get to them. I'm in the middle of something. And this man walks up, does not have a pet. And he starts cursing at me. What the F is this for? Blah, blah, blah. And I just looked up at him and I, and David, I'm from Maryland. So I'm an East coaster. I've got a very thick skin. You can't rattle me. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was, fine with that Frederick, and, I just Maryland said, here. Yeah. and he was like this is useless you know you guys are useless this is 
really useless. You know what? Everybody in line looked at me and they're like, you guys are not useless. We so much Aww. appreciate you. And I just looked up and I started Aww. laughing and I said, I said, I really appreciate you all. I find, I think they were worried that I was going to be heartbroken. And I was, it was just very sweet because they wanted me to know and they wanted us to know Dr. Wheeler and everybody to know that we were appreciated that day. And they knew, you know, and a lot of these folks have to wait in line for hours to get to see Dr. Wheeler or any other of the medical professionals. And they are all so happy that we're there. I don't want to use the term grateful because I don't want it to seem like we're giving them anything out of like anything other than just because we want to it's, but they're very happy that we're there. And I guess they are to some extent grateful because they do have an option to get their animal or their companion scene. And so it's just a lovely thing. And it's, it's for me and I'm sure for Hillary, it's the same thing. There's a lot of altruism that just kind of really feeds into it and it makes you feel really good. And at the end of these, I come home exhausted. I am absolutely exhausted because I've talked to, you know, up to a hundred people because it's not just one person bringing a pet and, you know, you're hearing all these stories and you're engaging with them. And I try to make sure I know their names so we can find them when they get called. And it's just a whole experience. It's just a lovely thing. It's probably very similar to what you experience when you go out and you're serving yeah. food. So there's, it's just a lovely, lovely thing to participate in on this side of it. Uh, as, as, yeah, a, as and, a volunteer. And I think, I think as all of us are in this attempt to support the human animals that we all exist with, I think it's important for me to acknowledge the fact that you get joy and happiness because there's a puppy waving its tail at you, right? So it's like this, this balance of beauty that occurs. And I, I, I want to, again, thank both of you for the effort that you are both doing. I, I, I truly appreciate the time that you've provided to both Mauricio and I. And I want to I want to say thank you. And I'll make sure again, I'll talk this up. And, and okay, I'm Italian. So my hands go in the air. Right. You won't see any video, but you can say to, to the listeners, I am waving my hand like a bird. But, um, you know, it's it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that you're doing. And and I look forward to watching as the journey continues to grow here in the Bay Area. You know, I was born and raised in Cupertino. Los Gatos was my backyard. Um, I went and moved back east a little in the state of Maryland for 18 years. I've come back home to the Bay Area, and I think that's so wonderful. And uh, so I don't mean to make, I don't want to capitalize. Mauricio, was there any other follow-ups that you wanted to do? You know, just more questions, just a comment that end i mean first again thank you so much for everything you, you you both of you ladies and everybody volunteers with you they're doing i think as we're talking to our audience about different things that uh around the unhoused uh, neighbors uh there's a mental health but it's part of that This is it takes to their animals, to their pets that are support to them. That I think is very important, and we take a lot of those little things for granted. So it's a lot of things that go on us be able to help our in-house uh, neighbors eventually get out of uh, uh, you know homelessness or in-housingness and and into their uh, you know what be the next stage of their lives. So I think it's very important. And, and like I said again, thank you so much for what you're doing jumping in. 
and learning. I've been in nonprofits for five years. So I'm fairly new and so like life and eventually it's kind of do and feel good every day. And, and here we are, right? Almost five and a half years of this. So that's sort of more of that last comment. Any other comments, uh, anything else that you ladies would like to uh, uh, mention before we uh, wrap up the, the show? But again, so thankful you're taking time. I know you're busy and so much I guess. I will, you do. And you, oh, go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, you mentioned the other services. So, you know, we've had some success partnering with other services to provide showers and uh, laundry. We do want to expand to provide medical care, some of the basic Medicare, and maybe even provide social services so that folks can have access to notaries or other sorts of um, services. Because a lot of these people have lost their, ident their identification. Okay. They lost their who they are. And so we want to start to expand into that. One of our, the, the primary location, that you know, the founding location out of Colorado, they've partnered with a big healthcare provider. And so they've got a really nice co cohesive partnership with them. And so I want to start to expand that by maybe you know, engaging Kaiser or some other big uh, healthcare organizations that can help all across all of our organizations across the U.S. So that's one area that I do think is important that we want to start to expand because, you know, of course, granted for the animals, but as Dr. Wheeler mentioned, you know, we are also trying to help these humans. And so anything we can do to make mm -hmm. their lives easier yeah. is going to be part of it because some of these folks, the reason that they're in the situation they're in is because they don't have access to various things to get them documentation or even having them have a mailbox or even having them have access to internet so they can fill out an application online. I mean, there's all these things that are barriers to entry to get them back into what I would say, mm -hmm. quote unquote, normal life. So that's where I think the next level of services can be for us. Uh, we just have to find the right partners to help. So this so that's is why um, Andrea and I are meant to work together because that's exactly what I was going to say is we're, <laughs> we're looking to partner with uh with yeah. as many organizations that have that One Health perspective, which, you know, the whole concept of One Health is recognizing that interconnection of people and animals and the environment, and we all are dependent upon the health of one another and taking care of each other. And so that's really where the Street Dog Coalition is trying to go with their vision and what I always love is the street dog tagline is we focus on taking care of the lives on both ends of the leash. And that's really what it's all about. <laughs> so wonderful. isn't that great? Yeah, right? It. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. So it is something that you were asking how people can get involved. That's also another place, you know, that we've been able to form some collaborative relationships with Humane Society for both the extended care for animals, mm -hmm. but also with services that provide showers, services that provide meals, you know, any of those resources, we love partnering. That's always, you know, even if it's a one-time thing, I mean, it's, we can always work together and do more good together. And so that's what it's all about. Right on. Excellent. No, thank you very much again. Yeah. Uh, David, who's our sponsor? Don't forget to plug well, in. I have to. Thank you so much to Cal 
EPA. Um, you are amazing and you helped us to put this time together. And to both of our guests, we thank you so much, um, Dr. Wheeler, for all you do and Andrea for your passion. I love it. And, and we'll make sure that we continue that forward. I think that the points most definitely are well noted. And I love the fact that we can think about reciprocity. We can talk about collaboration. We can talk about wraparound services. So I wish you both the best of, of success and please don't hesitate to reach out to me directly. If there's a food item that you want to consider that we can collaborate with, it's on, it's on the audio. There's proof, right? Um, I think that all of us working together can help the village to be more healthy. And I think that for me, I will pause in my judgments and I will take a look at how I approach some of the visuals that in fact maybe we see that may cause us this alarm and be happy that those partnerships are there um, with the unhoused and their pets. So I hope that the listeners will do the same. Um, I think it's important that we continue to expand upon our, our listening audience. So we'll continue to do that. So thank you all for your time and, and Mauricio back to you. Thank you, David. Thank you, Dr. Wheeler. Andrea, thank you so much. Until next time.